Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy championship week. You know, it's kind of weird. We got the NFC, AFC championships and the Super Bowl and there's a fantasy championship. So we can use this a lot of times. But either way, we just experienced probably the best four games of football any of us have ever seen, maybe in the history of the world. And hopefully we have some more on the way. So goal of today's podcast, want to break down some of the key uses takeaways from the four remaining teams. That shouldn't take longer than 10 or so minutes. Then we're going to dive into just a quick little preview of the running back free agency landscape myself and our featured Guest co-host, whatever the hell you want to call him, has also done plenty of work <laughs> on the subject guest. recently. Well, yeah, yeah, man. I don't know. I lost it. There's a freaking great intro. Dwayne McFarlane, everyone. You knew it was him anyway. How are you, Dwayne? Man, I'm good. I like I like being a featured co-host. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on hey, it. I don't know. Hey, it's you, championship you're your own weekend. Person, it's, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's championship weekend, man. Like, let's just let's just do this. <laughs> let's just freaking do this. Wise words from the rock himself all right Dwayne usage we got the Bengals it's as straightforward as they come Tyler Boyd Jamar Chase and T Higgins playing almost every snap so does CJ Uzama yes Joe Mixon doesn't quite have the three down 90% snap role that us fantasy fiends would prefer but at the same time he's playing 70% plus snaps he got 14 of the 15 backfield carries seven of the nine targets out of all these situations Dwayne I think the Bengals are the most cut and dry they have their playmakers they get them the ball and that's that yeah, for sure. Um, I think the tricky one right now is like Uzoma just being more involved has really kind of diluted things. Now there's like four guys involved. The the positive though is like the Bengals are throwing the ball more. Like they're dropping back to pass the ball more than what they were earlier in the season. But we're just not getting like the full on like effect we want from that because we want that to all funnel to like T Higgins and Jamar Chase. Um, but right now you're seeing Boyd be plenty or uh, not Boyd, but Uzoma be plenty involved. And that's kind of bumped, you know, Boyd down a little bit, but it's like you got like 20% of the targets going, you know, 15 to 20% to Uzoma, 10 to 15% to Boyd. Then you got 25%, you know, to Higgins this last week. And you got like 20%, you know, to Chase. So they're spreading it around a lot. But man, there's such, there's so much room for like a huge blow up game from one of these guys, though, um, moving forward, as long as the Bengals continue to stay more pass happy like they have been the last few weeks. Kansas City Chiefs. We had some reports in the pregame, you know, after CEH practice in full all week, and we basically got clarification that he was not going to be on a quote-unquote pitch count because of the injury, which must mean that Jarek McKinnon just took his freaking job. 70% snaps, 10 carries, 7 targets for McKinnon. Clyde, 30% snaps, 7 carries, and 2 targets. So, Dwayne, Clyde, like, made the most out of his carries there. I know we've all had fun with the meh nickname over the years, and clearly he hasn't quite, you know, come through as the first round back uh, that we've all seen that we've all we're hoping to see in the Andy Reid system with all that said man it's Jarek McKinnon's world right now we're just living in it he looked good again and seeing Clyde come back not get the featured role after let's face it over the past two years when he did come back from previous injuries he really was just given his normal role without too much of a, a you know easing in period Jarek McKinnon RB1 with the Chiefs Dwayne how about that yeah, I think it's going to stick, man. I mean, <clears throat> Daryl Williams was out, right, with his toe injury. So that 
that could be something to think about. But I just think McKinnon gives them something. We talked about this last week that you really don't get from Edwards, Alaire, and Williams, and that's really that you kind of get you get that explosive play ability. You get that you know home run threat that McKinnon can provide. McKinnon wasn't really able to get that going and reproduce what he had done um, in the wild card round, where thirty three percent of his touches went for ten yards or more. He didn't have any of those in the rush on the ground this past week. Um, but he's still like he's the guy that they can keep out there um, on passing downs. Keep him out there on early downs doesn't you don't really have to tip your hand as to what you may be thinking that you're going to do depending on which back you have on the field so i do think this is going to be mckinnon's job like through the rest of you know the uh, postseason assuming right all three guys you know are healthy and available obviously if something happens with mckinnon we probably go more back back to what we saw earlier in the season with williams handling the passing down role and edwards lair handling the early down duties before you all just say, I'm dumb with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it's never going to happen again. Look at those free agents in this backfield, though. Each of Jarek Darrell and Derek Gore, he's an exclusive rights free agent. But all these guys are on the market, you know, ahead of March. So we will see how the Chiefs uh, kind of address that running back room. Clearly, you know, making this switch when they are. They're not thrilled about what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has brought to the table. And as we've seen from basically everyone other than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, this can still be an awfully fantasy-friendly role. Uh, just real quick with the routes and case. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, each had 46. Number two wide receiver, though, was Byron Pringle with 43 routes. Then we had Jarek at 38, Demarcus Robinson, 35. And in a distant fourth was Mecole Hardman with just 19 routes. So it was good. He busted that awesome touchdown run. Uh, I think the next-gen stats on the replay was saying he had like a 1.9% chance of scoring at the snap. So that was an awesome play, and he can do that. But right now, three wide receiver sets are Tyreek, Pringle, and Robinson. So keep Yeah, that and Pringle, mind. like, is just a guy, like, because if you're playing, you know, DFS this weekend in the championship round, like you have to find these other guys. Like he's been very consistent. Like he is the third guy. Like mm -hmm. now out of the last three weeks, his routes have been 81%, 62%, and 82%. But most impressive, targets, 21%, 18%, 18%. So he's really the third guy. It's Tyreek Hill. It's Travis Kelsey. We know one of those two is probably going to lead the team in targets every week. We know McKinnon's going to get involved as well underneath. But Pringle really is the next guy. McCole Hartman's, you know, his, his routes are too far down. He is getting more work in the on the ground. Like he's got five carries in the last three games. So um, I think they're trying to take a page out of San Francisco's book. Like, hey, is there a way we can get, you know, especially with all of the deep coverages that the Chiefs face, all the two shell packages, all that kind of stuff you know what are ways that they can try to really lure the defense into coming in closer how do they get playmakers with speed the ball underneath and one way for Hardman since he can't seem to right, run the right route that Patrick Mahomes won is like just handing the ball and so Hardman's uh, rushing attempts have gone from four percent to six percent to ten percent over the last three games Dudes, for his career, I mean, Mecole, this doesn't include the playoffs, but 5.9 yards per carry, you know, 9.6 yards per target. I get it. He's not going out there and being Tyreek Hill, but who is Tyreek Hill other than Tyreek Hill? If you give Mecole the ball in design fashions, usually good things happen. And yes, shout out to Byron Pringle. Five touchdowns in his past five games. Dude's always out there playing with a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> All right, Dwayne, 49ers here. We got Kittle. We got Ayuk. Those are our every down skill position players. Debo, too, but it is interesting to see just as a small route disparity here because Kittle last week, 22 routes. Ayuk, 21. Debo, the small step down to 19. Then we had Jawan Jennings at 15. Kyle Juszczyk, 13. Elijah Mitchell, 12. We kind of saw, you know, okay, when the 49ers offense hasn't scored a touchdown in the last 80 minutes of uh, game action, you're not going to see you know too, too many big numbers from anyone. At least we saw George Kittle seem like they were actively going out of their way, trying to design him some more of these targets. Because 
going to last week, Dwayne, we talked about how he was still out there on basically, I think it was 24, 25 dropbacks last week. He just wasn't getting as involved as we saw, aside from one bad drop in that Packers game. George Kittle, still very much one of the best receiving tight ends in the game. And it was good to see the 49ers seemingly remember that and try to actively get him that ball quicker. Yeah, I mean, he was he was one, like, kind of brain fart away you know he had that one ball hit him right in the pads um and i don't know they may not have caught him on that like he he had he had an angle to the end zone they may have caught he's just so good he might have stiff armed three guys anyway so (laughs) exactly so that's the thing like man i was really hoping for that because i used him in my flex a lot you know this weekend um so uh yeah he just he just barely missed that but to your point with kittle yeah i mean they continue to feed him especially man whenever they get into these games where they're facing against zone coverage and so this last weekend, you know, when you look at Kittle, his target share uh, was up to, what was it, 20, uh, 35% this past week. Targets per route run was 27%. The 35% led the team. And if you look at Kittle versus zone covers, like we talked about it last week on the season, like he leads the team in targets per route run versus zone. Would, well, he's really tied with, with Debo Samuel there. So, yeah, Kittle continues to be, you know, a big problem whenever he sees the zone coverage. And got a new thing, Ian, average depth of route. We've had average depth of target. So digging into all this data that I want to look at in the offseason, kind of just first pass at it, folks. So these may not be the exact official numbers. I'm working with the data team. I'm like, hey, how do we get rid of these kind of plays, this kind of stuff? But right now, like looking at Ayuk, he's clearly the guy working downfield 10.2. Uh, George Kittle is really more underneath intermediate. Eight, uh, 5.8 is his average depth of route run. And then you have Debo Samuel. It's right at an 8. And then you have Juwan Jennings and all these other guys. They don't really have big enough a role to talk about. But those are the three primary. Kittle's the, the most shallow. Then you got Debo intermediate. And you got Brandon Ayuk continuing to work deep, which makes sense. That's why I, and when we talk about Ayuk, right, when do you play Ayuk? When you're playing against a, a man-heavy team. We'll get more into the matchups later this week. But just want to throw some new data at the folks. I like that concept. Mr. Plus, it's a door. Like, like you yep. have to love a stat that like reads a door. A D O R. A door. Shout out Jim Morrison. All right. There you With go. the backfield, <laughs> Elijah Mitchell now up to, and this was what I was just trying to add up as you were saying a lot of that, 274 touches this season without a drop or a fumble. Every time like I tweet this, someone's like, damn it, Ian, like you jinxed him. I've been tweeting this for like two months now, and I have not jinxed the guy yet. So I'm knocking on wood, not trying to do anything other than praise what Elijah Mitchell has been able to accomplish this year. But yes, he continues to be the featured back, 72% snap, 17 carries, and four targets. Look, Devo's going to get his 10 carries and four targets himself we also had juice check getting two carries but Dwayne I mean this is like where beggars can't be choosers for Elijah Mitchell we're getting usually 20 combined carries and targets you know every single week with him as the lead back for the 49ers and I don't really see that going away anytime soon now we need to see what they do with some of these guys Jeff Wilson Raheem Mostert and unrestricted free agents but at least for the rest of this playoff run it's absolutely the Elijah Mitchell show and you know I don't think we can just be assuming Trey Sermon is gonna have a bigger role than he did last year how many years did we spend with Rashad Penny and Chris Carson I understand it finally kind of got proven right at the end of 2021 we'll talk about that one in a minute like draft capital yes it helps but you know when we have like draft capital helps us predict what we don't know but when we all of a sudden find out what the pecking order is probably time just to trust that yeah yeah I mean and look here's the thing like if it was um 
a typical offense, like we would more worry, but we would we would probably care more, right, about the carries that Debo is taking away. You know, if you look at him over the last few weeks, he's been right around 25%. He was at a season high this last weekend, 33% on his 10 carries. But the 49ers continue to be very committed to running the ball. So that really helps, you know, that helps offset that. So if you look at the 49ers since week 12, they're 31st in drop back rate um, or dropbacks per game and regulation. So just removing overtime to kind of level the playing field, only 29.9. But they're running the ball a ton. So since week 12, they're plus 7% rushing versus the NFL average when they're trailing by four or more points. When they're Whenever they're within three, they're plus 5% versus the NFL average. And when they're leading by four or more points, they're plus 4% in rushing rate versus what we see with the rest of the NFL. So in all game scripts, they continue to pound the rock. They're the last pound the rock team remaining <laughs> in the playoffs. Everyone else has really moved to more uh, or thrown. Well, the Rams are balanced. Chiefs are pass heavy. The Bengals, I would say, are, are pass balance. And then you have the 49ers, which are truly run heavy. So they're taking all four it to a new a level, different. man. Like a brand new level. I, I wrote an article that kind of wasn't really meant to slander Jimmy G. We've talked throughout the year about how, like, you know, style points don't matter. The dude's second yards per attempt in the league, that's the ultimate goal of a passing play. But, man, nobody in playoff history that we have has been asked to do less in their offense. And, like, you were talking about those dropbacks. Our PFF database goes back to 2006. And of all the guys with at least three playoff starts, Garoppolo, 18.7 dropbacks per start. He's the only guy under 25, man. Tannehill is at 25. Mark Sanchez is at 27.2. Like, everyone else is over 30. So, it's one of these things, man, where, like, okay, everyone got their Aaron Rodgers vaccine jokes off Saturday night. That's fine and dandy. But if they didn't block those two kicks, man, that discourse is undoubtedly going to be how the hell was Trey Lance not starting in this game? Again, man, 80 straight minutes, and they haven't scored a touchdown. I know we had some drops. The Kittle uh, drop, the um, Juwan Jennings kind of had a drop, like, right after that. I even think there was a third one in there. But let's not pretend like that Jimmy G not getting the most out of his receivers is this like new or uh, like it's a continuous problem I should say because we know he's been getting bailed out by some of the best yak monsters in the league Trent Williams PFS offensive MVP like it's just one of these things man where we once again see quarterback wins like becoming this thing that really hides the fact that you know in these playoffs particularly Jimmy G's been terrible those same uh, that same group 34 quarterbacks since 2006 with at least 100 playoff dropbacks he is 31st in QB rating 29th in PFF passing grade, 18th in yards per attempt. So not only has Jimmy G not been doing much in the playoffs, but unlike the regular season, he hasn't even been efficient with what he's been asked to do. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm kind of torn. Like the 49ers beat the Cowboys, so it's like I don't I don't mind seeing them keep moving forward, but like I just don't I don't want to see Jimmy in the Super Bowl. Like I want to see another good, you know, and I know Stafford's had his issues, but I'd rather see the best matchup like where we know we have two quarterbacks. At least we've seen Stafford, you know, he can get off. We know that, right? And so I just man, I don't really want to see another Jimmy G Super Bowl. Like if it was Trey Lance, I might feel differently, but man, you know what this also really worries me in like what the hell's going on with Trey Lance? Like I mean, how bad must Trey Lance look right now how far is he in a doghouse that he can't get out there with Jimmy looking like this and like, playing, it's just, it's, and it's playing hurt which hey give yeah. Jimmy G credit the dude's always 
playing through some injury and he continues to do so like other than obviously 2018 2020 where it was just you know of the season ending variety like even 2019 when he was coming back from uh the acl injury we saw him playing through various ailments throughout the way so not questioning the guy's toughness by any stretch it's just really a reality man that again this offense i i just think that you know instead of at the end of the game you know setting out these like oh people wanted trey lance to be the starter it's like yeah because their team traded three first round picks <laughs> for the guy like this yeah. isn't like it's being made out to be like shame on all of us for not wanting jimmy g there like look at the freaking team that did all this in the first place so yeah man maybe they uh will continue to have stafford and company's number when is a win is a win but i think we're so used to giving the quarterback the bulk of the award because on most uh, the bulk of the uh, recognition because on most teams the quarterback deserves the bulk of the recognition yeah with this being a unique team you know how about we give debo give trent williams those guys the majority of the credit now final usage thing fun a uh, fun rant there Dwayne, that we can't really get to uh, it's okay the end season. It. great day to be great with the rams cam Akers. those fumbles sucked but he is dominating usage 81 percent snaps 24 carries three targets sony michelle 90 percent snaps one carry two targets still not seeing daryl henderson back in action this is where it's gonna get interesting Dwayne, because the cam Ak- like i would love to see uh i think some sites do uh do this i know ryan mcdowell's sent out some tweets before of just like adp from week to week because cam Akers must have been on the dynasty fly before last week and then he gets this usage which hey this is fantastic stuff like this if he could get a percent snaps for the entire year as the rams rb1 we're talking about a first round fantasy football pick easy but Dwayne, if we see next week happen and it goes from this to split because of the two fumbles and like the general lack of efficiency this is going to be one of the biggest like just headaches to try to figure out the entire offseason man i'm sold like <clears throat> i don't care about the fumbles like i'm not i'm not gonna <laughs> worry about it. it it might impact him this next week uh, and look, I mean, Akers hasn't been that great. Like his missed tackles forced, you know, per rush this past week, only 8%. Yards after contact, only 1.79. Zero carries over 10 yards, so no explosive plays in the running game. Um, yards <clears throat> per route run were okay, but like nothing special. So, I mean, Akers really is just getting his feet under him. Um, but what the coaches are doing with him just shows me. And look, we've seen it. Like we already saw um, when they moved away from Daryl Henderson to Sony Michelle. Right. I mean, yeah. now Daryl Henderson, yes, he was battling injuries, but I, I'm not that worried about Daryl Henderson going into next year. I think it's going to be pretty much Cam Akers. I think you're going to see Henderson get to play, you know, some of the passing downs. We could even see that this weekend if, if we get Daryl Henderson back. Um, but for me, like at this point, it's just like, look, but this is this is Akers backfield. It's going to and this is where it was probably headed this season um, before the injury. I mean, 46 carries, 106 yards on the ground. It has been rough. But at the same time, like, we're not seeing Sony and obviously not Henderson because he hasn't been playing. It's not like these guys have actually gone in and done a lot more with it. Like, that was kind of like the debut that Akers had in Week 18 against the Niners. Five carries, three yards, and Sony's the one putting forward the, you know, sub-50-yard dud on all those touches. Yeah, Akers was 23.8 in expected points this past weekend. He only put up 9.8, so he was minus 14. Uh-huh. That's the that's the the worst in the league but like that tells me and we are we know because we see the utilization like if acres comes up anywhere near if he or mckinnon for whatever reason next week people are just not on them um you know in this championship round it's hard to not be on someone you only have four teams but i would probably i will probably be for sure overweight versus the field on those guys my guess is they're going to come in a little bit low just because people do a lot of box score watching 
Just quickly on the routes, you know, everyone's King Cooper Cup, obviously a league guy, but as we've seen with some of the complimentary uh, stuff, they have been rotating a little bit, but in these last few weeks, it really just has been Van Jefferson and OBJ flanking Cup and three wide receiver sets. Our favorite guy, Ben Skowronik out there just for one route. And uh, Dwayne, this shocked me. I, I think I was only looking, maybe I looked at a different site to find us out. It's not Ben uh, Skowronik, it's Bennett. Scourney. Yeah, it's Bennett. Yeah, I've been calling him Ben, I think. So my apologies to Bennett and the entire Scourney family uh, with that one. Also, I Kendall Blanton for four <laughs> routes out there. He's like, he's, let's see, if he ever tuned in and heard how we pronounce his last name, he probably wouldn't care less that you called him Ben. <laughs> Dude's going to be like, the guy with tits in his last name is out here trying to clown me. What the hell is going on? Exactly. Uh, Cam Akers, 24 routes, Tony Michelle. 11. I don't think there's too much to take away from that. I was just trying to be a goofball with the Bennett stuff. So, <laughs> Dwayne, let's get on to some running back free agency talk. Now, we both, you know, unbeknownst to each other, just happened to grind out running back free agency articles last week. We kind of took different approaches. I tried to look through all the teams with free agents that, you know, we're obviously going to be hearing about here in March and looking at kind of the available situations. And from there, I kind of analyzed, like, what can we expect for the running back in these offenses? You kind of took more of a player-driven approach. So I think we're going to combine these pretty nicely here, go team by team, and then we'll kind of discuss what to expect and just the general upside of who we're actually dealing with. So with that said, let's start things off with the Arizona Cardinals. Both James Conner and Chase Edmonds are unrestricted free agent. Even Jonathan Ward's an exclusive rights free agent. I would be very surprised if they enter the season with Eno Benjamin as their number one back. So, hey, if they bring back Conner and Edmonds, we're probably going to be ranking them both as low-end RB2s as they were. Because as much as dual-threat quarterbacks historically don't really enable the fantasy-friendly running backs... Cardinals have been a little bit of an exception with Kyler Murray. Since he's been there, run, their running backs rank 17th in targets and 4th in carries inside the 5-yard line. So that's usually the concerns we have for these dual-threat quarterbacks. But the Cardinals, you know, they've involved Edmonds specifically enough as a receiver. And they're just wanting to give the rock to these guys inside the 5-yard line. That I don't think it's as big of an issue as, say, Baltimore or one of these other uh, situations. So really, Dwayne, this is a situation where if they only bring back one of Connor Edmonds, might be unlikely, we're looking at someone that is going to be warranting a potential top 12 top 15 pick in fantasy drafts of most shapes and sizes yeah especially if it's james connor if yeah. connor lands in any situation where he has the potential to be the every down guy which so the way that i you know handled you know the article that i wrote up and folks can find it you know on the site i just broke it down into the top eight backs heading into free agency and i bucketed them right so you have what what i would consider to be the every down options um, the complementary passing down options and then the early down options. And it's really just based on like the underlying metrics as well as the their historical utilization. Like, have they ever been using those kind of roles? So it's not an ex we can't always use the past to predict the future, but like sometimes it's the best thing that we have. So trying to pull all those things together was really my goal and, and trying to take like a comprehensive look at these players. But James Conner really, you know, I mean, the guy came to the very top of the list. He has the fifth, he had the fifth highest PFF um, rushing grade at running back eight, sorry, overall grade, 82.9 out of the 68 backs with at least 200 snaps played. He was great in the passing game where he had the third highest receiving grade. And then he also had the second highest pass blocking grade for running back. So he's a guy that you can truly leave out there. Um, we've seen coaches trust him in that scenario in the past. And now, you know, the grades are there. Like, so he's been good on the ground. He's been good as far as pass pro. He's been good as a receiver out of the backfield entering his age 27 uh, receiver year like he's not nothing phenomenal like about like his underlying efficiency you know if you look at his missed tackles forced 
versus the league average over the last years, uh, last three years has been 17%. He's always right around that. He's right at the average. The last two years, he's been a 0.21 and a 0.20 yards after contact. You know, he's slightly below the league average. Explosive rush rate also right around the league averages. So, I mean, he's, but look, league average, like, this is the NFL. Like, so average isn't necessarily a bad thing. The biggest thing, like, is that the coaches trust him. And we've seen it this year. Connor posted RB1, RB17, RB7, RB12, RB2, and RB1 finishes in games with Chase Edmonds playing less than 5% of the snap. So Connor is my favorite guy anywhere he lands if we think he has a shot to be an every down back you know, for one or who knows if it could just be for one more season, kind of like what we're seeing right now with Leonard Fournette, you know, how he got the one year deal with Tampa Bay, but I will be Connor's like the main man. I think Edmonds, if he lands somewhere else, most likely is a complimentary back. He could end up being more like if obviously there's an injury on the team, we've seen him step up and have these big games and show that he's capable. Um, But I think at this point, we really probably have to consider him as more of a complimentary type player. And just realize, people, in Arizona, this has been a spot, whether it's David Johnson, Kenyon Drake, Connor, or Edmonds, when these running backs have been left alone, we have seen that legit 90% snap roll that it's hard to find pretty much anywhere else. The Atlanta Falcons could be losing a true GOAT. Cordero Patterson is an unrestricted free agent. Look, I understand that they're not going to try to pay the guy a bunch of big money. He is getting a little bit long in the tooth, but as we saw from 31-year-old playmaker last year, 11 total touchdowns in an offense that was pretty mad for the entire year. Uh, there is some opportunity to be had, particularly considering Mike Davis, with him being next man up. Like We just saw last year, they do not trust Mike Davis as their feature back. Even when Patterson was hurt, Mike Davis couldn't even take over the backfield to himself so Atlanta one of just nine teams with fewer than 3.5 million devoted to their backfield ahead of next season I mean Dwayne this is one of those where like if they go ahead and if it's like a Najee Harris type situation where they use a first or second round pick whether you want to call it irresponsible or not on the position this could be an offense that gives a 300 to 400 touch workload because we've seen Arthur Smith give that to Derrick Henry before so I think you know this could go one of two directions maybe they just decide to not prioritize it it's mike davis and a couple other guys in a committee we saw that for you know portions of this year but based on smith's history man if we can get that three down workhorse with the big contract atlanta could be one of these underrated situations where a running back just thrives because remember you don't need to be a great offense to have a great fantasy running back just look at freaking james robinson and the jaguars two years ago numerous other examples that we've had throughout time quadero patterson literally last year man on the falcons like we don't need to look far to find these examples we'll see who it ends up being in Atlanta could be a nice spot dude Coral Patterson was Debo Samuel before Debo Samuel was Debo Samuel thank you and Percy (laughs) Harvin had to you know Percy Harvin had to crawl so CPAC could walk so Debo (laughs) could fly so I mean I think there's gonna be interest in Patterson whether it's in Atlanta or not I think now there's maybe enough of a blueprint because what we've seen with Debo what we've seen uh, with Arthur Smith now look it takes a special kind of player to be a receiver that can play running back, not just anybody. You, it's, so it's not just like, oh, let's find the next Cordero Patterson or find the next Debo Samuel. I don't think there's going to be like those aren't just going to come along all the time. But these are, you know, Patterson has shown that he could play that role. So I think you could easily see him like if he went to a team that runs that West Coast smash mouth kind of style like Shanahan runs like so you could see like the Jets, you could see. Um, you know, well, we'll have to see what happens, you know, in Minnesota right now, that's Clint Kubiak, but 
you know, they run that, that style of offense, but we'll have to see what happens with some of these teams and where these different coordinators land. But I would be interested to see like Patterson land in a spot like that or reunite with Arthur Smith. I mean, look, you can't ignore like what he was able to do as a receiver. Like he was the number five graded overall PFF running back at an 82, number two receiving grade, uh, among the running backs at a 91.4 and he had a 2.25 yards per route run. That's the, that's the third most of the position. And honestly, when you're grading it, that's not even really fair because a lot of those times he was lining up out wide right. or in the slot, wasn't get to line up, you know, as a running back. So like the work he's doing is against better coverage than what most backs face. So like, uh, like for example, McCaffrey grades is number one in yards per route run, but all those are coming out of the backfield. Whereas yeah. CPAT's move, you can truly move him all around um, like that movable chess piece and do all these different things that you may want to do. So I just coordinator matters a lot for me for CPAT. I want to see him land somewhere with an innovative play calling mind, someone that we know kind of <clears throat> likes to run a lot of the jet sweep type stuff, uh, likes to you know utilize some of the larger formations, different things like that. If I see that right type of landing spot, I'll definitely be very high on Correll Patterson versus if he just lands in an offense. Like you don't want him landing in an off on an offense that wants to just drop back and throw all the time. I don't think. Like, I don't think that's going to work. Who knows? Maybe it could. Like, if you just got him lined up in the backfield every play and you're like, we're going to pass the ball 65% of the time, CPAC could probably live in that environment. But I think he's still going to be probably looked at as more of a complimentary player, like not a player that can take over in every – not that he couldn't, but I don't, I don't think, you know, going into his age 31 season, I don't think anybody's going to want to, like, just load him up with carries. Put him in San Fran. Why the hell not? Who oh else God, knows like, how to geez, use a guy better? <laughs> Man, him and Devo doing that together. Of course, that would drive us nuts with projections. I know. It wouldn't be best case for his fantasy stock. That's like, I have an article coming out on Wednesday, like looking at the wide receiver um, best landing spots. And like, I saw some, I won't throw the guy under the bus, but someone was saying like the Eagles are like the number one landing spot for some of these wide receivers. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, they could use a wide receiver upgrade, but like, why the hell would we want any of these wide receivers to go to an offense with a run-first quarterback and pretty much a cemented top two already in the passing game? So much of it does come down to yeah. available opportunity. Would, we'll, yeah, the offense would have to change, like for us yeah. to be excited about that. We'll yeah, talk about totally wide. Agree. Yeah, we'll talk about wide receivers a little bit more next week. Keeping on the topic at hand, Denver Broncos, Melvin Gordon, unrestricted free agent. Dwayne, we don't need to spend too much time on this because I think it's simple enough. In your 2022 fantasy football ranks, under the assumption that Melvin Gordon takes his talents elsewhere, Javante Williams is the overall RB two. That's the ceiling we're looking at here, and that's before maybe even getting one of these Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson type crown jewels at quarterback. Oh, totally agree. I mean, that's where I've got Javante right now in my ranks is number two, just based off of a, we've, we've hit on a lot of that stuff, you know, a week or two ago. Look, Gordon, like if he stays, it's a problem for Javante Williams, because despite the fact that he's getting up there, um, so he'll he'll be at one thousand five hundred and three attempts going into next year. And we know around fifteen hundred attempts like it's like that's when you hit like the. Anytime, like the drop, the drop off could just happen. We've seen it so often. Like Derrick Henry is going to be facing that next year. Not saying it's going to happen, but we just know that, like these players, you know, they do have a limited shelf shelf life at running back, and so Gordon's going to be running into that, um, you know, heading into next season. But if he returned to the Broncos, like man, like you know, he's probably going to see at least thirty to forty percent of the work. I would still see Javonta Williams growing his role, but it would probably really be a nuisance. And like on the other side of this, like for Gordon. Like, I haven't really graded as, as best fit, like, as an early down presence. But we know in his past, like, every down has been in his bag. 
you know, so like if he landed in the right place where the incumbent starter was not that strong, like I think Gordon's going to be a valuable mid to late round pick. You know, when I say mid to late, I'm like talking like eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th round, like getting into those ranges, kind of the same place he was going this year, depending on where he lands. Like we could see a stretch of the season where Gordon isn't every down back. Um, So a lot of it just will depend, you know, on where he lands. Like most of his metrics, like he's under the league average at this point in his career. The missed tackles force, he's been really good over the last two years. He's plus 0.07 and plus 0.05% yards after contact. A little better than league average. Explosive plays, not not even real. He's below league average in that in that area. But again, we've seen him play the every down role in the past, so he could do that again somewhere else in the right situation. And I think some of these, you know, quote unquote issues would be less magnified if he wasn't sharing a backfield with freaking Javante Williams and then Austin Eckler before that. Like he's had some great players right there alongside him that I think has caused this idea that Gordon, you know, has been anything other than at like, least an average. If Sean Payton track. stayed in New Orleans, which he's got, multi, he's got Ooh, like two Gordon more years. Would be the perfect Gordon would be the Kamara. perfect compliment yeah. to Kamara because we I like that call. He, because he's he's fine as a back in the screen game, which we've seen Mark Ingram do. Um, but he's got he's he's just got more left right than what yeah. Mark Ingram has got at this point. So I think Gordon like would be a perfect like fit in a situation like that because look, we've seen the Saints; they don't really want to grind Kamara into the ground. And I don't blame them. And so I think you do need a complimentary weapon there. So I think that could be a fit. I'm going to fly through these next four and we'll pick it up uh, with the Patriots. I think there's just, we've either already talked about these teams or there's just kind of too much unknown to really have major opinions right now. With the Houston Texans, though, both David Johnson and Royce Freeman are unrestricted free agents. Obviously, they parted ways with Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay. During the year, that leaves only 32, soon to be 32 year old Rex Burkhead as the like really last remaining running back. Just note, he has never handled even 150 touches in a season. We'll see. It's And a new coaching staff. And new coaching staff so that's what i'm saying like way too much unknown here but this is a backfield that could have like i said one of these high price free agents or a high round draft pick this is a spot where we could expect them to see you know a true three down roll sooner rather than later with the chiefs mentioned this before but yes daryl williams and jarek mckinnon are free agents their core is an exclusive rights free agent with a lot of these types of players you know i think the backups are a lot easier to bring back than you know your flashy like just super high price wide receiver types so i'm not expecting all these guys to leave by any stretch just realize if they do Claude Evers Lair, whether you like it or not could be in line for a nice workload potentially at a cost after everything that's happened during his first two years with the Rams Sonny Michelle unrestricted free agent Dwayne, like right now, man, I would expect Sony not to be back in Los Angeles, you know, given what the Rams now know about Cam Akers' uh, return from the Achilles injury. I think Sony's probably done enough during his stint as a starter to maybe go earn an opportunity elsewhere. Do you have any major thoughts on Sony potentially taking his talents elsewhere? I mean, I think really this year, to his credit, because, you know, it was always kind of the coming out of Georgia, I, I I don't mean this as a slight on Nick Chubb, but like I always kind of thought of Sony as more of like the explosive guy. And maybe some of this was Chubb still coming back from his own knee injury that he suffered in college. But seeing Sony basically evolve into more of this like early down, you know, grinder, just, uh, you know, put him in the eye formation and let him waste away in New England. That wasn't how I remembered him at Georgia. It seemed like in the Rams, not that he emerged as Todd Gurley 2.0 or anything, but he certainly seems like someone that could and can handle a three down roll someone's to put it on his plate 
Yeah, I, I mean, I put him in. He, I think he could do it, like we've seen him do it, right? But just based on what we saw when he was in that role, I think he's really probably the better fit as an early down type guy. Like if you look at his PFF receiving grade, it was a 44. That's the second worst of all the free agent running backs. His pass blocking grade wasn't terrible, 64.9. Um, but he just doesn't he just doesn't add like a lot of upside to your passing game as somebody that you're really like, oh, wow, I could check it down to Sony here and he could go for like 15. It's like, oh, I'll check it down to Sony and he'll get two. Um, it just it just hasn't really worked out for him. But I'm with you. Like whenever I was you know looking at him and Chubb, you know, back in the day in Georgia, like, you know, Michelle, I don't want to say he was playing full on like a Swift role, but it was more reminiscent of the, right. of the DeAndre <laughs> Swift role than than what we see Sony Michelle doing now. But this could be, you know, injuries, carries, all those things starting to take a toll, you know, on Sony Michelle. You know, so I mean, you know, he's been in the league a little bit now, so I, I do think there there's the potential for him to play in every down role. My get, and we'll have to see where he lands, but my guess is he's really going to be more of an early down guy. With the Miami Dolphins, both Philip Lindsay and Malcolm Brown are unrestricted free agents. We also got Salvin Ahmed as an exclusive rights free agent. Hell, Duke Johnson's a free agent as well. Patrick Laird's a restricted free agent. Uh, man, everyone is basically a free agent in this backfield. Who knows if Tua's going to be back under center. Still need to think about the new coaching staff as well. Offensive line is obviously a joke. But with all that said, maybe just maybe if they do decide on one single back, there is opportunity to be had in that Miami backfield. Here's an interesting one. Dwayne and kind of similar to Kansas City if I had to bet I don't think these guys leave anyway so maybe it's a moot point but in New England both James White and Brandon Bolden are unrestricted free agents let's have fun here and assume that they are not back and that we get to have a Damon Harris uh, backfield where okay he's not going to get absolutely all of the early down back with Stevenson there but if we could have it just Harris and Stevenson in an offense that hey Mac Jones year two I think they could again be an above average scoring group where would you kind of be ranking Harrison Stevenson because this is a run heavy enough offense to maybe foster two fantasy friendly running backs yeah if we could get it down to two that would be great I, I just I worry that we still wouldn't be able to trust it even if James White and, and Brandon Bolden left remember I mean, Brandon Bolden's just a special teams player that turned into the passing down back right <laughs> you know I mean so like it could be a J.J. Taylor team thing they could bring in someone else they really have historically liked to use three backs you know there's not a lot of coaches where you know, we look at coaching schemes, we look at these things and they matter, but with some situations, it's like, you know, you look back, you see the players they had, you're like, oh, it just makes sense. They wanted to get all three guys involved. With this team, like, they really do like to have, you know, they're one of the few things. One of the few coaching staffs where you see this long-standing trend. It's almost like the Bruce Arians and the big slot receiver, right? Like there are some coaching trends where you're like, "Wow, that's pretty strong." You just got to go with it. So I'd be very interesting to see who lands around. But if we did get it down to just a two-player uh, backfield, my guess is we would see Stevenson expand into more of a passing-down role. You probably see Damian Harris take about half of the rushing attempts. Maybe you see. Stevenson take 30 to 40%, but if he also got to pick up all the passing down work, then I certainly think that both guys could be viable in fantasy. And look, like if Stevenson were to grow, like in that receiving role, it's not like, you know, you know, the Patriots pretty much, they just spread the ball around to all these receivers. There's no one that's really demanding, um, you know, these heavy targets per route run type looks that, that we would like to see, but maybe Stevenson, since no one else is doing it, like, we know he can make plays. You know, does he have a chance to really develop into a player that could see 15 to 20 percent of the targets? If he did that, yeah, both of these guys would be inside our top 24. We're going to rank Harris higher than Stevenson 
But who do you think is yeah. going to have the higher ADP? I bet it's Stevenson. Man, he could. He could. There was a lot People of, are obsessed with him. They are. People... And look, I like the guy, but no, sure. I mean, like half the stuff I see posted is a perfectly drop, block play, <laughs> and Stevens just is running for a touchdown, like the preseason one. These guys, people yeah. are like, I told you, I told you. I'm like, dude, he just actually only did his job, and that's all he did. <laughs> now, to Stevenson's credit, like he's been more than that down the stretch, but man, just watching Harris, like he just runs with such, you know, tenacity. You know, I don't know what the best way to explain it is, but like he's bringing, he's bringing heat, you know, on every carry. So I think they're both good players and I don't want to like be forced into liking one over the other, but I know we will. I, I tend to lean towards what you're saying because we also just like, we naturally all want the next thing. Where, yeah. Look, I remember when Damian Harris was a cool late round pick, but we're <laughs> moving on. That was last year. And now it's Stevenson. But, yeah, but I this- think you would have to say if, if we thought, if it got down to those two, and we had to make an educated guess about which guy was going to take over the passing down work. I think we would probably both agree it'd be Stevenson. So in that case, yep. in PPR formats, there could be a legitimate reason to still consider, you know, putting Stevenson over even Harris. I don't see Harris being more than a couple spots ahead of Stevenson, wherever we end up having them uh, ranked. And maybe they're like right next to each other. But I just think yeah. that it's going to be a, uh, you know, different positions. But these types of situations you know your d book your debo versus you know preseason stuff when we see this growing disparity and we can kind of look at the usage between them it's like well that's actually a lot closer i think we'll yeah. be better off more times than not just taking the discount uh before we get to the jets seahawks 49ers buccaneers and the football team i want to let you guys know that with DraftKings, you can download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code pff and get 56 to 1 odds on any nfl team again that's five dollars and win 280 and free bets if your team wins that's promo code PFF for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Just know you must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Only new customers only minimum $5 deposit. One dollar wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook with details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, fun deal from our friends over at Western Southern. You have a chance to win a free catering up to $2,500 coordinated your, with your order from a restaurant near you. Delivered on the day of the big game, February 13, 2022. For some reason with this, where you know they can't quite use the name of the big game that we all know I'm talking about that concludes the NFL season. But you guys know what it is. And you can get, again, $2,500 up in catering. All you need to do is ask a question. That's it at westernsouthern.com slash feast. One more time it's westernsouthern.com slash feast maybe you want to ask chris collins with what it's like to work with al on sunday night football what it's like to be in the pff offices what he thinks of Dwayne mcfarland as a person whatever you want you can ask those and if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description below remember western southern you can rest assured on game day also shout out to pff that's right our own company and you can save 25 percent off any pff subscription if you use code fantasy all locked article content betting dashboards nfo green line which is up 27 units this year are our draft guide and much more also very happy to say that as soon as the super bowl is over we are going to have an absolutely killer couple weeks stretch of dynasty content coming your way so get that pff sub use code fantasy and you can save 25 percent off and get all that again and much much more Finally, everyone, this Valentine's Day, which I guess that is coming up. Shit, got to start worrying about that. This V-Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off and free shipping. Again, it's 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. 
All right, Dwayne, this next team, I think, was like a poster child this time last year for like, hey, if we get a rookie running back to go here, it's going to be one of the best situations in terms of raw opportunity. And we saw that pay off at various times throughout the year. I am speaking, of course, about the New York Jets. Now, the one issue for Michael Carter really taking on like a legit RB1 role was the presence of Tevin Coleman, who is now an unrestricted free agent. You know, I... Maybe they bring him back on the cheap, but this is a situation where Tevin didn't really do enough there, I think, to warrant either a big, like, not not an extension by any stretch, but even if he is back there, I could see Michael Carter, given that he was literally number one in missed tackles force per touch in the entire league. He was the best running back with the Jets, and we saw him win the starting role from Coleman not once, but twice. Even if he is back, I still think Carter could have the big jump. Now, Dwayne, we talked about this when Nathan Yonke was on the podcast this time last week about Michael Carter. He's still someone that I think you're, you know, a little bit afraid of going too, fu uh, too fully in on. With that said, if we make it through free agency in the draft and it's only Michael Carter and like Ty Johnson atop the depth chart, it's going to be hard to keep Carter out of that top 15. Yeah, he's one of the more fragile guys because of like where he was drafted. Right. So there's a lot of opportunity in multiple rounds ahead of where he went this year for them to take another back and knowing that they want to be a run balanced offense. Um for the Jets, I won't be surprised if they do that. I will not be surprised at all if they take a back in the first two or three rounds, like to, to go with Carter. I think either way, like Carter's a player that we're still going to like next year. Obviously, uh, we're going to love him. Like if they don't find anyone else, you know, that we would think would sit in front of him, you know, or even potentially, you know, create a timeshare. Although you could argue like Tevin Coleman, like, look, is a replacement back. Like, so it's not like he really had someone that good stealing carries away from him. Um, even though he did manage to overtake uh, Coleman down the stretch. Like, it's just an offense where we could see them want to continue to rotate the backs. But to your point, like, he did everything he needed to do. And we've seen what Carter can do in those games where you don't have Tevin Coleman available. You had a finish of RB7, RB1. Then he had an RB35, let us down a little bit. But, I mean, then he had another RB35. But, I mean, look, you got that one and that RB7. Like, that's enough. Like, we, we know what kind of offense the Jets want to be. Um, and if they can improve, like as a team, like and don't have to play from behind all the time, um, you know, we could see more rushing attempts overall for that team, because I think they would like to look a lot more like the 49ers. One team that we know always wants to run the ball as much as possible those Seattle Seahawks. Rashad Penny and Alex Collins are unrestricted free agents. I'm pretty sure the Collins ship has sailed regardless, uh, just in terms of him really becoming this team's feature back ever again. But Rashad Penny, man, if you're you you know if you're a fantasy footballer like Dwayne and I, you know all about Penny's end of the season stretch. But just to reiterate it for anyone that missed it, week 14, 16 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Week 15, small dud, then finishes the year with 135 yards touchdown, 170 yards, two touchdowns. Week 18, 190 yards and a score look damn good doing it if you make the sample size small enough you were looking at the number one running back in yards after contact per carry from 2021 so Dwayne I think the nightmare scenario is they bring back Penny and lo and behold our guy you know I guess we could say our guy I have nothing against him Chris Carson is back and ready to go because of course Pete Carroll had to take some of his time uh, you know after the season to say that Carson you know is undergoing disc fusion neck surgery but he expects him to be ready 
ready to go when training camp kicks off. So Pete's been, uh, you know, he called this originally a day-to-day injury. So good for you, Pete, just doubling down until, uh, you know, Chris Carson's probably, you know, just an old man at this point. So overall thoughts on the Seattle Seahawks situation, Dwayne. It's touch and go with Pete, with Russell Wilson, and this running back room. But again, as we've seen with Carson over the years, and as we saw with Penny at the end of last year, this is a situation where we can get 20-plus touches on a weekly basis, and it's hard to find those in today's NFL. Yeah, well, Penny's the back that I'm probably the most excited about seeing where he lands, you know, this offseason, because if he lands anywhere where we think he could have 60% of the rushing attempts, like, you have to get excited. Now, look, Penny's got to stay healthy. This is the first season ever, man, he's eclipsed 100 rushing attempts. Like, I mean, this guy just hasn't been injury prone. He has been injury prone. Like, this, he has not been able to stay on the field. And that's in a four-year career. You know, so I mean, that's kind of that's pretty wild to say this is your first season to get over 100 rushing attempts. And it's typically been tied back to some sort of injury, um, you know, not just a committee situation. Um, So the problem, though, like teams are going to face. So even though he hasn't been available, like, man, like of the backs that are here, like just as a pure runner, like he's the most explosive, like his explosive uh, rush rate. Now, I left 2020 out because he only had like 40 snaps. Um, but in 2018, uh, 15%, that's plus 4.5 versus the league average. 2019, he was at 12%, that's plus 5.5. So the league average is 11.5%, 11 11.5%, 11 sorry, 10.5% um, of plays go for 10 yards or more. In 2021, he was at 16%. So he's been well over that each of these seasons. Yards after contact, well over the league averages uh, by plus 0.47, plus 0.19. This year, plus 1.59. So, I mean, he's been above the league average in those yards after contact um, stats every single year of his career as well. So, and if you look at the games where he's had at least 12 touches, just looking at his entire career, he's delivered, these are his PPR points, 16.8, 18.9, 26.7, 26.8, 6.4, there's a dud, but 19.5, 32.5, and 25. So every one of those has been 15 points or more, except for one, whenever he's just had at least 12 touches. So... We know that the upside is there with Penny. Really can't wait to see where he lands. Kind of hope it's not here, to be honest. Yeah. You know, just you know, because the Seahawks offense, you know, just the, the you know, it's just the, the play volume, man. It's just so terrible. It's terrible for everyone involved. So very excited to see where Penny lands this offseason. I just hope the man can stay a little bit healthy to start the year. I mean, each and every time, man, he fractures a finger before he takes his first NFL (laughs) snap. And then he can't, you know, really be beating out Carson. He has a late season knee strain. 2019 comes along. Has I remember he had this, like, really explosive touchdown run against the Steelers. And it was like, oh, okay, like, here we go, Penny. Immediately he gets a hamstring strain. Then he gets a freaking torn ACL later in the year when it finally looked like he was coming on. That ACL basically caused him to miss all but three games late in the 2020 season then 2021 comes along we got the calf strain taking him out in september numerous other issues throughout the year stay healthy Penny. yeah the, One other, time thing with him, the other thing with him is early in his career they actually did use him as a passing down back yeah. um so he, he may not necessarily be a two down banger right now i have him graded as an early down option but you know just because we don't have quite enough data to say that we really know like his pass Uh, blocking grades and receiving grades you know we don't know how stable those will be once he really gets more snaps but I think it's potential I mean part of why part of one of the things they really liked around Penny when they drafted him um, which you know surprised a lot of like draft Nick people but they thought that he really had you know he was good as a receiver out of the backfield so I think there is potential for him to turn into an every down back but again like it's just all about staying healthy 
Next situation I want to talk about is the San Francisco 49ers who have the, I'm looking at it right now, they are one of only three teams with fewer than $2 million devoted to their backfield ahead of next season. That is because both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson are unrestricted free agents, and Jermichael Hasty is an exclusive rights free agent. Who knows, man? Could it just be the Elijah, Elijah Mitchell show? Will Trey Sermon get a little bit more involved? Or will Kyle Shanahan do something like, I don't know, give Jarek McKinnon a four-year $30 million contract? Because that happened a few years ago. Like, Dwayne, I want to believe in Mitchell. He's been great. We've talked him up throughout the year. And he's more than just a product of the system. He has fantastic yards after contact numbers that aren't even being skewed by one big run. Like, he's been consistent. The stat I brought up again and again throughout this year, percentage of carries with at least two yards after contact on them. And he's been a top five guy throughout the season. So, it's nothing against Mitchell, but I'm... T- Dwayne, if we see them make one serious, you know, addition at this position, that is really going to, I think, cause Mitchell to go from being a fringe RB1 already to someone that we're going to have to take a long, hard look at. Because, again, this is all based on him dominating the rush attempts. We know the targets aren't really coming there and haven't been throughout the year. Overall thoughts on Mitchell and, like, how willing are you to really take a stand on him in Dynasty? It just seems to me like this is a room that we've seen evolve again and again and again over the years. And so this is assume that now Kyle's like, all right, we got Elijah Mitchell. I'm good at running back for the next, you know, half decade. I'm not so sure I'm willing to make that jump. Yeah, I'm not either. I I would be selling Mitchell and Dynasty right now. Um, You know, as far as season long next year, based on what we know right now, um, which is not a lot, but we know that there's, he he has a really good shot at being the number one back next year. Right. But again, like Trey Sermon could come back and play well. Look, I pretty much like Mitchell over Sermon. I've kind of settled that in my head. I'm not going to totally write off Sermon. I do think, you know, um, it's, it was a terrible year, right? And it's all we have to react to. But the truth around Trey Sermon is probably better than what happened this last season. The biggest concern for Mitchell is just like what we talked about with Carter. What if they draft someone? If they draft someone in the first three rounds, like Mitchell's value will tank. Like it will go so far down um, just because of all the things you just said. We know that Shanahan's willing to use a committee. We know that he's willing to go hot hand. Um, You know, he's willing to go with the latest thing in his backfield. So with Mitchell right now heading into it, I feel really good about him next year. You know, he'll be a borderline RB1 for me, um, but still a lot to play out this offseason. How would you feel, Ian? What if even it because I, like Raheem Mostert's not going to have a big market like at his age, bro. But the 49ers will be split if they, he comes back. I, I think Raheem Mostert probably comes back to the 49ers. Then that becomes even a situation like and so that kind of tells you how fragile like Elijah Mitchell's status is in our minds that Raheem Mostert would worry us. I would still expect I would project Mitchell to obviously be the lead back. But like Mostert might be able to steal away more work than what we've seen from Jeff Wilson. Is this is this me being an idiot again? Like when I was too worried about Marlon Mack to go all in on Jonathan Taylor? Are we making that mistake here? I think I mean Jonathan Taylor is very different. Like he, yes, he you is. know his 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 college, you know his collegiate track record coming out was elite. I mean, we're talking about a guy that had nearly two thousand yards rushing every year, right? Second round that. pick versus sixth round pick. I, it's not a one yeah. for one. I'm just wondering the veteran, often injured starter, quote unquote in quotation marks, the starter coming back. It's it's one of those yeah, things. So I, I'm yeah, and I don't think we're saying I was just throwing that out there as a hypothetical yeah. because we know like an early draft pick would really hurt Mitchell. Yeah. But I'm just saying the most likely thing to happen is they re-sign these guys. Like we yeah. know Jeff look, Jeff Wilson's been there all year and they haven't cared about him. 
Um, you know, but Raheem Mostert, like just, it causes enough pause, like that I think we all know it's just part of when you draft backs from Shanahan's backfield, you know, the upside is huge, but you also just, you just have to acknowledge that the risk is there. Right. So if you're, if you're betting on like top 10, 10 percentile outcomes, like, and you just want to go big then great, go for it. And you're going to probably draft Mitchell and you'll be happy about it. But you just also know that like the floor is lower on some of these guys just because of the habits that we've seen or the tendencies that we've seen from Shanahan, you know, through the years. It's not always that easy to lock down the lead role in this backfield. But like I said, I'm going to have him as a borderline RB1 right now. And I really like the player, Um, but he's a guy I know we're going to be talking a lot about. Well said, good sir. All right, two more, everyone. Tampa Bay, Buccaneers, Fournette, Rojo, Gio, and Le'Veon Bell, all unrestricted free agents. Now, Dwayne, remember Bruce Arians a couple weeks ago? He's like, oh, Keyshawn Vaughn, man. I've always believed in him. It's you people that, uh, you know, haven't seen him as a three-down back. What happened last week? Leonard Fournette plays 86% of the snaps. Giovanni Bernard, 12%. And that electric Keyshawn Vaughn that Bruce couldn't stop hyping up was a special teamer only. So, seems Awfully unlikely, Dwayne, that Keyshawn Vaughn is back there as the league guy. With that said, he is currently the only guy under contract. I think the situation we're hoping for is just that they re-signed Leonard Fournette, and we once again have one of the most used running backs in all football. Yeah, we want Leonard Fournette with Tom Brady back. (laughs) There we go. Um, Because if it's Leonard Fournette with whoever else, a quarterback, right, that's going to be a big problem. Because let's face it, like we like Fournette. But he's not lived up to being the number four pick overall. Like he he's a ver- he's a more versatile player than what people probably gave him credit for, and I think he's shown that this year. But his explosive rush rate not good. Minus three point five in two in two thousand nineteen. Uh, minus two point five in twenty twenty one. Missed tackles forced per attempt not good. Now he is solid in the yards after contact, but not what you would expect necessarily from a back of his size. So I think Fournette is, you know, he's a solid player. Like he's above replacement probably for an NFL running back. Um, but I think we really need a, a good situation. I do think that with Fournette, like he's, he's probably not an every down back on every team. It's worked out that way in Tampa Bay, but I wouldn't necessarily be sold that he would be an every down back if he lands on another roster. I do think if they've got a really good passing down option, like he could give way and just really turn back into more of an early down uh, runner, I think that's within the range of outcomes, more so for Fournette than what we've seen with James Conner. This just really like risen above and beyond, not only getting the snaps, but playing great in the passing game. Um, you know, not to say that I just think, you know, James Conner is necessarily like a better running back than Fournette, but I just think as far as like his passing game ability, I feel a little better, a little better about Conner than I do yeah. Fournette. Fair points all around. Final situation, Washington football team, J.D. McKissick, unrestricted free agent. Anyone that was a fantasy manager of Antonio Gibson last year knows just how big of a deal it can be when McKissick leaves the lineup. Dwayne, your 2022 ranks right now, you have Antonio Gibson, RB4 overall. That is under the assumption that McKissick will be taking his talents elsewhere. If McKissick comes back, where do you think Gibson falls to? Because looking at your ranks, I would kind of say he's going to go into that RB2 territory behind guys like Joe Mixon, maybe behind, you know, probably behind Cam Akers right there, probably more with a Nick Chubb, Dave Montgomery. Because Gibson, man, when McKissick is there, he has, unfortunately, an early down grinder role in an offense that, who knows, man, right now it doesn't look good. Yeah, I mean, look at here are the games where Gibson has played with McKissick, RB21, RB30, 17, 
20. He had a 13. Um, so when you score touchdowns, like you can, you can manage to, to move that number up some. And that's the problem, right? You're playing an early down role in a bad offense. Like right. if, <laughs> you need Washington to really take a step forward. I don't want both those things. We can live with early down in a good offense. Exactly. But once we make it bad, that's when it gets tough. Exactly. That's the problem. But like just to finish it out, like RB 39, RB 34, RB 36. He did have an RB 7 and RB 23. But then like look at the games where you haven't had you know, McKissick, RB6, RB36, RB, and that was a game where he had to leave the game. RB4, RB18, RB6. So look, he's going to be a top five guy, like if McKissick is gone. Um, and the thing with Gibson is we know that he can be a good receiving back. Like, look, he played receiver in college. So we know that that part of his game is there. They just haven't been willing to unlock that yet. So yeah, that's a huge thing. Like if McKissick returns, it's absolutely what you, what you just said. I'll have him more in that high end RB2 range. Dwayne, fantastic stuff as always. That's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you go on to PFF.com. Dwayne and I will each have plenty of goodness out there throughout the week. And of course, the rest of our team of analysts is supporting you as well. We'll continue to be grinding away on this podcast throughout the entire offseason. Dwayne and I will be back Wednesday breaking down the conference championships. I'll also be back here with Andrew Erickson to go through some DFS and player prop goodness and tentative going to get back into the 10 question game trying to get those going more and more often and i'm trying to get nate list who in my opinion is one of the better dynasty minds in the industry over here to bark about some stuff for a bit at the end of the week anytime you start getting the matt kelly protégés and those player profiler folks and you know you're in for a debate so i think that'll be a fun one with nate Dwayne, anything else you want to get off get off your chest my friend no, man. This is a good show. Looking forward to the conference championship uh, you know, preview that we'll have coming up later this week. Great day to be great. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.